not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny Right, nearly half time pal, your turn to get a ground round in, off you go No, you get this one in mate because I've got the beer sorted for later What do you mean you've got the beer sorted for later? I got the last one, you know that's not how the ground round works Listen here bud how does the offer of free beer sound? What do you mean free beer? No such thing, mate. Just go and get them in, man. Serious now. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash VFTN and cover just £5.95 for the postage and you'll get your first case of eight globally sourced, fresh as can be craft beers delivered right to your doorstep. What I mean is I've already got hours waiting for us after this and we'll need them after watching this shambles. What's the catch here now? Who are these people? Beer 52 are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, they send a case of craft beer from a different part of the world. Recent cases have included beer from the Alps, New Zealand, the USA, Ireland, Korea, and Germany. Bloody hell, that's not bad, is it? Yep, and if you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time you like. Cracking, so how do I get it again? All you need to do is go to www.beer52, that's the numbers 52.com forward slash VFTN. To get your first case of eight beers for just five ninety five, that's www.beer52.com forward slash vftn. Sound pie with a pint then? You know I never say no to a pie. Right, we're back. It's a view from the Ninja, but this time with a bonus podcast. Ben, do you want to give us a little insight to what we've just done? Uh, we've had a lovely chat with a former City player who, while he wasn't at the club long saw pretty much every state of madness you can imagine from playoff heartache to a league cup final um he saw it all didn't he really yeah it was interesting i I forget the kind of periods he straddled being at the club really because he wasn't really there that long as a fleeked in kind of kind of appearance for the the city but yeah he he straddled that kind of dave jones malky rebrand madness era really and saw a lot from being in the team and then being left out of it. And it was fascinating hearing from someone who we haven't really heard from since he's left the club. No, and it was quite impressive how positive and how much good things he had to say about the club. When the stuff we go over, you can arguably say that he had every right to be bitter and hold the club like in bad bad light. He didn't have an easy time, especially at the end. Didn't get an easy run, didn't get a fair crack at the whip. And you could totally understand if he was like, while I enjoyed the people here, I did enjoy my time in Cardiff. You could understand that, but no, seems to hold the fans in high regard. Love the city. Kept on bringing up how much of a big club we are, which I enjoyed. Did enjoy and that. And just came across a really, really nice guy. And yeah, thank. Can't thank him enough for uh, his time. Really, he was even ready to dig out an old Cardiff shit away as well while doing it. And we thought, no, we we won't we won't make him do that. But no, it was it was great. Lovely, lovely man. And tell you what, instead of us rambling on. Here it is. View from the Ninia meets Deckel Kiennan. The view from the Ninia. Uh, thanks for joining us, Deckel. I really appreciate your time. Um, we just wanted to catch up with you, really, to speak about your career and obviously your time at Cardiff. But um, how do you start out in football? You know, we, we can see that you started off in Maccabi Haifa. Was it always going to be a foot career in football for you? Yeah, you know, uh, once in a while. First of all, thank you for thanks for having me. Uh, I really appreciate it, and I know we, we try to schedule a few times, and um, 
I'm glad this is actually happened. Uh, yeah, as a boy, you know, I always remember to, I, I played with my family, I played with my friends. I never thought actually until I was 15 or 16 that it's gonna be my, my job. I always look at the game as the love of my life, you know? Uh, and I didn't really, nobody considered me like the next big thing. Oh uh, yeah, he got something on him until I was 15 or 16. And then it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't that my natural talent that shine. I think more than anything else, uh, my character, my, my uh, that sh I showed a lot of character. I was the first one to show, the last one to leave. If the coach told me something, I, li I always listen and try to improve. And by the time I was 17 or 18, people started to, to see me, you know, like I can actually make it. Uh, obviously, I grew up in Maccabi Haifa, so this was my, my dream to be at the first team. Uh, and, you know, I, I captained the club for many years, won trophy with the club. Uh, so I always, even at bad times, and, you know, as a football player, you always have bad times. I always, always remember me as a boy playing because I love the game. Uh, so even now with the COVID situation, when nobody knows what's going to happen, I always, I'm a privileged to work and to have a job and doing this, the things that I love more than everything else. It, it must have been great for you then when you had success at your boyhood club and playing in the Champions League. What were your, like, your favourite memories while you were playing there? Obviously, my first game for the first team was, was a big achievement and big memory. Uh, playing in the Champions League to actually hear the music, the anthem of the Champions League. Uh, even if it was the night before the, the game that, you know, the, in the stadium, they just tried the, the audio. Uh, but to play against Bayern Munich at uh, the Allianz Arena was, I think, one of my uh, greatest moments at the club. How did you stop yourself from singing the Champions League theme? So when you stood there just before <laughs> kickoff and the theme's going, do you get worried that the camera's panning across and you're going to be there singing along to the theme full blast or...? Sorry, I, I couldn't hear you well. I couldn't hear you well. Sorry. Sorry, do you worry when you sort of you stood there for the Champions League and everyone's walked out and you're doing the bit on the pitch and they're shaking the uh, Champions League badge? Do you worry about being caught singing along to the uh, Champions League theme at all? <laughs> uh, like at this moment, honestly, you don't really care about anything. You're so focused on the game. So you sing it out loud. You, you're fully in the, the situation. Uh, it's great adventure, great experience. And I remember myself, you know, standing there and like ready to go, ready to, to bite, ready to do everything possible, just start the game. Uh, yeah, and I, you know, anytime I still hear it, it gives me like uh, goosebumps, you know, on my body. Like I, it's a pleasure. It was a pleasure to be part of it. Great memory. Uh, now that I'm telling my son that I played in Champions League, he barely believed me. Uh, <laughs> So I had to Google it, but it's not the same anymore. There's uh, Sorry? There's proof there, so you're fine. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm glad I took part of it. And I think, like, honestly, that because I played in that level, I was able to come and play in England. I don't think an uh, England club will take Israeli players that didn't play in the highest level in Europe uh, before, I mean. So it's yeah. great stage, great platform to show show, show yourself. Uh, and I was lucky enough to do it. So obviously you came to uh, the UK signing for Blackpool. 
But before then, was this sort of opportunity to play in the Champions League is not something many players do. You're one of like a very elite, privileged few of footballers. Was there opportunities that came up before that other than Blackpool um, for you to sign for? Not really. I had some opportunities uh, from, from different uh, countries in Europe, like Belgium and Greece and Cyprus. But my, my dream as a kid was always play in England. Uh, and I knew, like, in the end of that season, uh, after the Champions League um, season, I knew my, my contract is expired, so I will be free free agent. And, you know, I have to be honest, I didn't, like, how can I uh, explain it? Like, it's not like I bring something special to the UK. Honestly, you have, like, plenty of players, like, in the same style of me. So I knew my only chance would be if, if only if I will be a free agent player. Yeah, I can play in England, but there is another thousand of players that can play in England or think they can play in England. So I, I knew that my uh, my chances will be much higher if I'll be free agent. So I had a conversation with my uh, own, with my own team, Maccabi Haifa, and because I grew up over there, we both agreed that I'm not gonna extend my contract, and they will let me go to to actually fulfill fulfill my dream. So obviously, um, the year you signed for Blackpool was the year they had just been promoted to the Premier League. Um, they'd obviously just beaten Cardiff to get there. How did that move come about and how much about Blackpool as a team and as a city did you know about? I didn't know much, but I knew one thing, that the first opportunity for me to go to England, even if it will be a championship club, I would go for it. It was my dream. I knew it's, it will, will be a very tough league, very great experience for me as a player to check, to, to test myself. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know much about uh, Blackpool. Uh, but it, again, it was a great experience for me to, to be in coach by Ian Holloway, one of the funniest characters I ever, I ever seen, not only in football, like in general. Uh, and I didn't, I wasn't, sorry, I wasn't a, a starting player. I joined the team a little bit later. And I think it's cost me a few games. Uh, but to be just around so many good players and, and you know, the club is, is not a massive club. You know, after I moved from Blackpool to Cardiff City, I was shocked that Cardiff is much bigger club than Blackpool. You know, the, the training facilities, the budget, everything, everything. The whole thing, Cardiff City as a club is much, much bigger than Blackpool. And for me, it was a shock. Uh, but yeah, I just knew the first opportunity for me to to be to pl to play in the UK in England, I would take it. And Blackpool was there first, and again, it didn't work like I, I imagined, but kind of it worked kind of like a little bit. Uh, and one thing led to the other one, and then I signed for Cardiff City. So again, I feel like I was lucky enough to experience it. You mentioned Ian Holloway. Um, what was he like to work with on a daily basis? Because we obviously see snippets of him on TV and before matches. What was it like day to day working with him? For everything, you know, he's just a funny guy. A, like a guy that you want to have a beer with him, that you have one few drinks with him. Uh, and you want to be around him. If, if it's in the locker room, it's on, on the field, on the pitch, outside the pitch, you want to be around him, uh, next to him. To hear him talk, like you know how to talk to players, you know how to talk to to humans. I think he's very good with with human management. So even though I didn't play much, I really liked him. Usually, you know, when the player 
doesn't play, he doesn't like the coach. But I liked him. He always treated me like, you know, like uh, professional. Um, I met him after a few times and he always was kind. I think he's a good football coach. But if you're asking me one thing about him, I'll tell you he's a great guy to be around. Yeah, he always comes across well on TV. Um, for a manager that sort of beat Cardiff, he's from, uh, he's known, respected from our local rivals, got history of QPR and Bristol Rovers. Um, but he still somehow doesn't get the hatred that some managers do from City fans. There seems to be a bit of a, like a begrudging like from him. Um, have you got any good stories about him? He, he's known for sort of his bizarre conversations and sort of his bizarre moments. Have you got any spring to stand out? I have so many, you know. Uh, one day it was like freezing morning. I think it was after Christmas, around Christmas. And we came back to the training facility and it was like completely free, like completely froze. Like everything was icy and snow. And he found like a fish on, on the on the training, on the on the like on the snow. Obviously the, the fish was there already dead, but he thought if we will put him in a bucket with the water, we will it will come back to life. <laughs> so we all watched, you know, he put like a bucket with full of water. And we all was like wondering what's going to happen. He, and he put the fish on the bucket and nothing happened, obviously. But it was great, great story. And it was it was funny moment. Funny moment. He's a special guy. He so many. It was like every morning, every team, team talk. Everything, every morning was something else that he talked about it from his personal life. And he knew how to bring it to our world, to like to the football world, in different ways. Uh, he knew how to. He know how to talk. Obviously, this is why he's walking on TV. And I'm not surprised to hear that not many people hate him. Yeah, he's uh, very well thought of now. Um, so obviously, the move to Blackpool didn't work out as many as, you, as well as you'd like, and the opportunity to come to Cardiff sort of came up in the January of that season. Uh, did you push for that move because you weren't playing, or was it also the size of the club, like you said, being a bigger club than? Blackpool and um, what were the deciding factors that sort of brought you to the capital of Wales so again I'm going to be completely honest with you I, I knew absolutely nothing about Cardiff only for my agent he told me how big is the club but you know agent they want you to move uh, the thing for me the main thing for me was like well I, I didn't play much in Blackpool I came to England to show myself to play uh, and in the moment I I realized that I'm gonna get I'm not gonna get plenty of minutes in Blackpool. I just push for to live. Uh, and I had few options, but after one minute talk with Dave Jones, I knew that I want to play for him. He, he watched me few he, he watched few games of uh, Blackpool that I played. We beat uh, Liverpool away that that season with Blackpool, and I played I played well. Uh, we beat Newcastle away in that season, and I played well. So he watched that games, lucky me. And after one minute on the phone with him, you know, and my agent talked to him, he wanted to talk to me. After le less than one minute, I knew that I want to play for this guy. So all what I care after this conversation was, okay, I want to go. I want to go right now. And again, lucky it's, it's happened. What was it about that conversation with Dave Jones that made you want to move? Because we, when you, you have a manager like Ian Holloway, to us, Dave Jones comes across as quite grumpy uh, and quite miserable sometimes. So what was it about that phone call that thought, right, I want to go to Cardiff with Dave Jones? 
First of all, you know, Dave Jones, maybe you've got the face a little bit grumpy, but the moment you actually talk to him, he's a funny guy. He's a very nice guy. And for me, he was very, very honest. He knew a lot about me, about my, my time at Maccabi Haifa, about my time in Blackpool, obviously. And I just felt it in his voice that he actually wants me to come and play, not be part of the team, not maybe, not maybe. He told me, Dekel, you're going to fight for your place, of course, like any other club in the world, but I like your game, uh, I like your leadership, I think you're going to sit and play well again uh, alongside Mark Hudson. Uh, and uh, I just felt that he really wants me as a player and as a, as a human. Um, and it was like after a few months that I didn't play much, I didn't play consistently at least, uh, I just pushed for that move, that move. I didn't care if Championship, Premier League, my love for the game always was my priority. And the moment I realized that I have a better chance to play at Cardiff City, I put for that move. Two days after that, I signed for Cardiff City. I was shocked to see how big and massive the club is compared to Blackpool and compared to everything I see before. Uh, the facilities, again, the whole organization, everything, I was shocked. Uh, and I think I, I made a good decision. Well, you came into the club and I think your first game was Cardiff-Swansea, the, the South Wales derby. It's a very intense start. How did you find that? What, did you think, whoa, what have I come into here? <laughs> First of all, it's an unforgettable uh, memory for me. It was probably one of the biggest games I played before, like rivalry and uh, we, we fought you know, in the, in the table, we were close to each other and it was always uh, hot-blooded between the two clubs. I came uh, a week before and the people, the players in the, in the dressing room already talked about the game against Swanson that's going to gonna be next week. In the, in the night before, I remember I was a uh, roommate with John Parkin. He also signed a few <laughs> days before me. Another great character. Another, he has a great uh, podcast, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so... I was roommates with him, you know, and I, I was sure it was going to be like everybody talk about the game. And I, sh I was sure also like we're going to be intense and, you know, uh, ready to go. But we had very good conversation. He's one of the funniest guys I ever played with. And he actually took it like he relaxed, took it easy. And I think it actually helped me. He knew that I was ready to go, but he also saw me very intense, very... Uh, not shaky, but really, like, I was really thinking only about the game. And he was, when I talked to him, he calmed me a little bit down, told me everything going to be all right. Uh, and we, it was a great game. Bellamy scored a great goal. We kept clean shit. The fans went crazy. What else can you ask for, you know? It was a great game. Yeah, you talk about the squad that year. It was... Um... It was star-studded. It was some big, big names, sort of Michael Chopra, Jay Bothroyd, Ross McCormack, John Parkins, as you said, Aaron Ramsey and Craig Bellamy. Um, sort of what were they like to play with? That squad has sort of got a bit of a reputation from City fans of the quality of that team. It felt like a travesty that it didn't go up that year. The boys didn't make it to the Premier League. Um, sort of coming out of it as years gone by, we sort of heard stories that certain players got away with certain things. Sort of, what was your impression of how it sort of ended up that season? Sort of, what went obviously on behind came, the scenes? Obviously, I came in January, so I didn't, I wasn't aware to all the stories 
behind the scene before I came. Um, but when I came, I felt like, oh, I'm so happy that I'm playing. I'm so happy that the team doing well. And by far, this is the best team I, I ever played for. This squad was the best team I ever played with, or played for. Uh, we had unbelievable players. Obviously, uh, Ramsey after we left because he was on loan for six weeks, but we knew it's going to cost us a little bit. Uh, but you didn't even mention I don't, uh, Stephen McPhail, Kevin McNaughton. What? So many great players, you know, that uh, the quality of the players and the training ground and the, on a daily basis was unbelievable. Uh, and the main thing about the coaching staff, I remember them left the player to do what to play for their strengths. They didn't really hold us back. They let us play, they let us argue, they let us fight, because I think this was the, the strength of the team. I mean, you can't hold back Bellamy. You can't hold back Jay Botroy that played for national team this season. Uh, so I think it was a smart decision from them to let the team like fluid, like to play for their strengths, don't hold them back. Uh, Obviously, when you have such a big names, when you when someone is not playing, it's a big thing. When someone when a star doesn't play or doesn't start the morning after, it's not going to be a nice conversation for him with the manager. Uh, but I think with we had some stupid loss losses in that uh, season. I think Wimbledon home. We lost uh, not Wimbledon. It was uh, uh, Wim Middlesbrough. Uh, Middlesbrough, sorry. Middlesbrough home, we lost 3 0 and it was a crucial game. Uh, the injuries of uh, Tom Eaton and David Marshall cost us a lot. Uh, well, I, I really enjoyed it. Enjo I enjoyed to be part of it, to, to, to play, to, to prepare the games, um, to be part of that locker room. It, no, it wasn't easy for the, for the coaches, I'm, I'm going to tell you that. Yeah, it's sort of. You said about Dave Jones giving players free reign. Um, as much of a strength that was got the best at the players, do you think that was part of what sort of contributed to our downfall? Um, the season obviously didn't end the way we wanted. You said about Heaton and Marshy being injured and missing vital games. But the season sort of felt like it crumbled in like a four-week sort of period. Um, how disappointing is that? And sort of how do you as players sort of react to that at, at the end of it? Tough one because uh, I remember us fighting with Norwich about the automatic promotion, and they kept winning on the last minute every like for two or three games in a week in a, in a row. In other players that you fight against them, it's it's kind of like take take a lot from you. You know, you you just won the game. I don't know. We we beat Preston away, 2-0, and then you look on the on the score sheet and you see uh, uh, Norwich won in the 94 minutes. And then you have another game again, again in three days, and it, it it's up and over and over again. Uh, just a moment. Just, just can you press stop for a moment? Yeah, we'll yeah, we'll it's, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll it's fine. <laughs> we cut it out. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, I don't know if that what cost us. I think the injury was a, was a big, big part of it because we lost Bellamy on the second game in the playoff against Reading. He didn't play. And he was our, our leader, like the, the main leader uh, on and off the field. Uh, but I think the, the fighting for autom automatic promotion took a lot from us. I still think we were the best, better team, but you know how it is in football. So 
I don't know how to explain it. I think it was a little bit of unlucky with the injuries combined with maybe some player was a little bit frustrated from the situation. But it's hard for me to put a finger on one thing. Uh, at the end of that summer then, Dave Jones left. A lot of the important players left as well. How did that feel? And did you did you question your, your own role at the club at that point? Of course, you know. Uh, you know how it is in modern football that coach come and bring his own players. Uh, and after Dave Jones uh, quit, or they didn't continue, they signed uh, Marky McKay. And like I told you before, after one minute's uh, conversation with Dave Jones, I knew that I want to play for him. With Marky McKay, I just knew that I'm not going to play anymore after less than one minute conversation. Just the way he talked to me, what he told me, I just knew, okay, my time at the club is going to be very, very short. Uh, and I don't think he hated me, but you know how it is. Player, coach come and bring his own players. Uh, and it wasn't just me. It was me and another five, six, seven players who can tell you exactly the same. Obviously, like you said, um, Malky came into the club. Um, you said you didn't get a good feeling from him from the start about sort of your future at the club. Um, a lot of players have spoke out about the way he sort of treated the players on the outskirts. Like John Parkins been very vocal at sort of the way he was treated. Um, I know he, he was pretty rough to some of the younger players as well. Sort of what was your experiences with him like? Obviously, a man at Cardiff, sort of he his reputation's taken a bit of a nosedive in recent years, but as a man that sort of led us to the Premier League for the first time, there was a stage where the man was considered one of the elite managers of the club. I don't think he's a bad coach. I think he's a great coach. And I think he believed in different players. That's very normal. The one thing or main, main thing that I didn't like it, it's that if he didn't, if he didn't needed you as a player, he wouldn't treat you the same, same way. So yeah, uh, John Parkin was very vocal about it. And, you know, he always was like uh, straightforward, completely straightforward. But if he didn't like you, you could find yourself coming in the morning and see on the board that you're training with the under-19 for the next week. And you know, it was me, but it also was a club legend like Robert Ernstrom. Yeah. So I thought, it's okay, I played for the club maybe 20, 22 games, but Robert Ernstrom that scored many club for the many goals for the club and so had so many appearances, come in the morning and see the, in, on the board that he's going to train with the under-19 without private conversation, without any note. Like nobody told him before, and it wasn't him. It was Stephen McPhail. It was me. It was Paul Quinn. We had plenty of us. We had the same feeling. Again, let me tell you that I think Mark is not is not a bad coach. He's a good coach, and like you say, he led the club for the Premier League. I don't think he hates me as a person. He just didn't like me as a player. But I think there is a right way to treat a professional football player. So as you, the, as you said, the game time sort of dried up for you that season. And there were times sort of where you were like Ben Turner, Anthony Gerrard, Mark Hudson were sort of the three main centre-backs. Um, it was a long season. Did you feel like you could have contributed to that side? And do you feel like it was a bit unfair considering you'd been very, very good for us the six months previous? Do you feel like you were given an unfair fair sort of deal or is that just sort of how football goes? During my career, I've learned there is not there is not a, such a thing not fair. I just felt that he didn't like me as a player. You know, if I could play, yeah, I could play. And I showed it before. Uh, 
but I just felt like not uh, doesn't matter what's going to happen. Even if our, all our four center back will be injured, I'm not going to play. And I think it's actually happened once against Bristol City away, uh, and he let one of the youngest players start. I don't even remember, and we lost. Is it Ben Nugent? Yeah. Yeah. And play, and players ask him why why like why Decker is not playing, but I I didn't even travel with the team. So in that moment, I realized, okay, it's nothing to do with my performances, nothing to do with my training session. It's just not going to happen. Uh, and again, it hurted me. Of course, it hurt me, like because every player want a player. But what hurt me more is the lack lack of communication. Because uh, I did nothing wrong, you know. It's it's fine if you don't like me. That it's fine. It's football. But the lack of communication. Uh, and again, not just with me, with plenty of players, I think this is what hurt us the most. And obviously, I'm not the one that's saying it, so it is what it is. So you, your move came to Palace then, you went out on loan. Was that a case of you knocking on Malky's door and saying, look, I want to go out and play some football? Or did he say to you, look, we'd rather you go elsewhere? Oh, absolutely. I put for it from the from day one that they realized I'm not going to play. And then the transfer window closed and I kept training like crazy every morning. And I guess if you talk to guys, they will tell you I was the first one to show. I actually lived in the training facility. I lived in the veil. Like, so I had the, the, the keys for the, for the, from the kitman. And I trained in the morning and I trained in the afternoon again when everybody went back home. And I had the the key for the container with the with the balls to the gym. I have full access. But I knew after the transfer, win, transfer window closed that nothing going to happen until January. So I just wanted to keep fit. So I had the opportunity to go in January. Uh, and then when January came, yeah, I knock on the door and say, yeah, OK, I want to go. Uh, like my time here is I'm not going to play. Both of us know it. No time, no need to hide it. And he say, OK, but some club will come. Yeah, we'll let you go. And then Crystal Palace came and I had a few games. I got injured while I played there. Came back to Cardiff to do my my rehab. Uh, and then back to, to Crystal Palace for another game. And then they asked me for another six weeks uh, loan. But then Malky said, okay, you can have them. You can have him until the end of the season or nothing or some, some negotiation. And it didn't work out. Uh, then I came to the club, kept training, but same result. Uh, it, it's it's the, it's part of the career again. I don't think Malky didn't like me as a person, maybe, but it's part of the game. I think every football player in the world, unless you are Messi or Ronaldo, have had uh, a little bit of time like that during his career. So you hear a lot of no's during your career, unless again you are a top top player. What I'm not. Um. When you signed for Palace, I think I remember there was a problem about you announcing it on Twitter or something like that before it was actually announced by the club. Was there any truth in that and what happened? Well, I think it's 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 so um, not important. You know what I mean? It's, it's it's I'm not I'm not really active on social media. Just a little bit. I was never like that. I announced it because I was like so happy that they're actually going to play or, or have a chance to play. So I just, okay, yeah, I'm going to Palace. If the club didn't like it, you know, I didn't put it to, to just to uh, make the club mad. I don't know. 
the club didn't like it. This it wasn't my uh, meaning. Let's let's say it like that. Uh, I was just so happy that I'm actually going to to have a chance to play. So I, I announced it. It was emotional thing. So but again, that... like I don't think I I have only good good words to say about the club as the organization of the club. So that year, you um one of the games you got that season was in the League Cup for the Cardiff. Um, obviously the club made it to the final that year. Um, there was a fair few of you, say the group with Parkey, Quinn, and sort of got a bit of sort of stories have come out about you getting sort of a bit of a rough treatment um, that you weren't invited to travel with the team down to Wembley. There was issues with the tickets. Um, sort of that can't be nice. You've contributed to making history of the club. You're coming up against a club. They've made it to Wembley against Liverpool. You were a big part of that. You played in the earlier rounds. That can't be that. That's got to be painful. That's it, the only way I can think of it. It's got to be a brutal way. You've got to have like ultimate professionalism to speak about the club as highly as you do. To be honest, because I'd be throwing my toys at the pram. <laughs> uh, so the thing is, I remember when we, we we played the first few rounds. I don't know if it was two or three games. We won penalty in PKs again. Penalty against uh, Leicester, I think. I think you played Huddersfield. Was it Huddersfield? Huddersfield. Oxford. Yeah, I played that games. Yeah, uh, at least few of them. Anyway, I remember when we played semi-final. I, I don't remember against who, but when we actually uh, won that game, everybody went. We were in the. I wasn't in the squad. I did. I wasn't in the squad, so I was on uh, one of the suits upstairs on the stadium with the other players. And when when we won that games, we made like a round for applause from the fans the team. So I remember it was very, very important to Marky that we will come down and be part of the team when we walk. So everybody can see us walk with the team. You know, obviously we wasn't in the squad, so we were with, with full uh, suit and everything, like we wasn't even dressed. Uh, so they called us to come downstairs by the, you know, to the stadium and to be part of the team that doing the round of applause for the, for the fans, because we reached the final and we're going to Wembley. And then a few days before the trip to Wembley, we just we just uh, been told that we are not be part of it. Uh, I, I don't think it was a club decision. I think it was Marky's decision. But I'm, again, I'm not sure about it. It's hurt, but again, it is what it is. Other professional football player, you have a lot of moments that you hurt. You can stay negative and sad, or you can take it and actually. Um, Motivate yourself. Uh, that is, it is what it is. Again, you have to keep keep moving forward. But of course, nobody liked it. We wanted we wanted to be part of it. We wanted to go to to Wembley. We felt that we deserved to come to Wembley. Uh, again, it, it wasn't just me. It was yeah. players that played many more games than me for the club. So at the end of that season, um, you had a brief spell at Bristol, but then you come back to the club probably one of the most controversial times in Cardiff City history. Um, <laughs> obviously, the club changes from blue to red, the whole uproar with that and about the false promise. Um, what's your what sort of, how as a player with no real link to the club other than you're playing for them now, sort of, how did you feel about the whole rebrand situation, sort of how, what went on behind the scenes? Crazy. So uh, it was absolutely crazy. I think like, how can club change a badge and the color. I mean, before I'm a player, I'm a fan. You know, like I grew up 
on my on my hometown, and I I had I was a big fan of of Maccabi Haifa, you know, and I couldn't imagine them change the color or change the the, the badge from bluebird to red dragons out of nowhere. Uh, but in the modern football, you know how it is. You have the money, you can do almost everything. Glad to see that the club back to wear blue and uh, to be called the Bluebirds. I think it's traditional, it's culture, it's part of the, the club, it's part of the city, it's part of the country. It's part of so many things that it was, it, it was absolutely crazy for me and for the players and for the fans. I didn't know how to, to react to that, but I was shocked. I, it was weird. Yeah, it's uh, it was a crazy situation. <laughs> um, you, you speak quite highly of the club, despite all of this. And do you still keep in touch with any of the players you played with at the time? A little bit uh, in the social media, you know, a little bit easier to, to even if just likes or how are you, like a few texted, few texts um, with some of the players, some of the coaches. I remember when the, when I trained with the under 19 so it was Neil Hurdley was the coach with Kevin Cooper. And they're both great, great guys, and until still talk to them, they treated me so good when I was down, and I will never forget it. A uh, few of the players, you know, talk a little bit with Parkin, with Mark Hudson, uh, with Paul Quinn. Glad to see Tom Edon is doing well. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad, I'm so proud that I was part of this club, massive club. So the final sort of question on Cardiff City we've got is um, obviously this year has been sort of a tough one for the club. Um, a player you played with and sort of an icon for Cardiff City sadly passed away. Um, what are your memories of Peter Whittingham? What's your memories of Peter Whittingham and what was it like to play with him? And what was he like off the pitch with you as well? Let's say that he was the most underrated player I ever saw, I ever played with. He was so natural, talented, you know, I remember, like, look at him on the locker, on the dressing room before training or before or before a game, and he just didn't, he didn't care. You know, it looked like he didn't care. He was sitting and never, never stressed. And then the moment he was on the field, it was like completely different, like not person. He was, he was the same person. Like, uh, like the fans sang for him. He does what he wants. He does what he wants. Like, he, he, sorry for the language, but he didn't give a fuck. Yeah. It, it, but it, it was so naturally talented, so good. Uh, like at least once every every practice, you will it will do something that will make you like will make you uh, catch your head and say, "Wow, whoa, whoa, what the fuck was was that?" Like, wow, it was so good. At least once a practice. So then he scored some amazing goals, like against uh, Barnsley at home. And, and you just you're not surprised because you see it like thousand times in the training already, and you know what he can do. As a person, he was quite everybody liked him. You couldn't you couldn't hate this guy. Uh, it was very very modest, modest like he never took himself too serious. I, I'm not sure he knew how good he is. Like he's unbelievable left foot. He could do so many things. Uh, I miss this guy, you know, I almost in tears, but I miss him. I miss him so much. Uh, and I, I I knew him only for less than, you know, less than two years. And everybody just loved him. And he, and he was quiet. It's not like he was like uh, the loudest player in the locker room. He just sit by himself, laugh. But 
he wasn't like the, the loudest or the leader. And everybody just loved him. Uh, I miss him. I'm sure you too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for that. Um, you're now out in America. Um, how how did that come about? And what's it like playing out there? Because, you know, over, over in the UK, there's, there's not a snobbery, but we don't know much about soccer out there. So what's it like <laughs> to be playing out there? What's the standard like? Actually, the standard is pretty good. The standard is actually surprising. The thing is that you could easily feel that it's not the main sport and it's not even in the top five sports in the, on the country. Like when you play for Cardiff City or for Blackpool, this is the main thing. This is the thing. Like you're a football player, you're a professional football player, and this is the main thing. You know, Cardiff is, is you have only one team in the, in the city, the capital of wealth. Everybody knows you. In America, it's, it's, first of all, it's weird that they call them soccer. Every time I say football, they look at me like, <laughs> like I, I came from, from the space. But uh, uh, yeah, it's easily, you can easily feel that it's not the main sport. You still, but the sport culture is, is really, really good. And when I'm saying sport culture, I, may, I mean in every elementary school, in every college, in every public park, you will have amazing fields. You will have uh, basketball courts. You will have softball, football, baseball, everything for public, everything for the kids. And I think they are in the right way. Uh, obviously, my decision to come here was because I was a little bit older. I wanted to experience something else with my family. Uh, and I think it was like when I look back now, I'm almost three years now in America was one, one of my smartest decisions. I, a lot of doors opened for me, football-wise and in every other section, you know, like business. I'm not a businessman, but you can see how many doors are open for, for a professional athlete. Uh, and it, it's a big thing for, for here if you're a professional athlete, like people admire you, even if it's just soccer. Uh, uh, we like it here, the family like it here, the kids speak perfect English, much better than me. Uh, perfect accent, much better than mine again. Uh, we like it here. Uh, I still miss the the madness behind the game. Like, uh, I think they take loss a little bit, loses a little bit too easy. Like, okay, next one, we will win the next one. But for me, if you lose a game, it's, it's a big thing. It's, you know, it's, it's you, you can't just take it so easy. So it's a little bit less stress, a little bit less uh, madness behind the game. But I think they are in the right way. Like they get in there and I'm just, you know, small part of it. So how, how do you take that? You know, with your kind of competitive edge and you see players not getting quite worked up about a loss. How do you deal with that as a player? Because then, you know, in the college, uh, they have everything is playoff, so you can finish in the eighth place, but you still be a champion, like to win a champions. Uh, and you know, when, when I'm talking to, to younger kids, to younger players, I told them, Look, you cannot take like you cannot lose a game and take it okay and we'll wait for the next one. There is always someone, someone that wants to take your place. Like, if you will not play well, someone else will take your place, and if you lose game, someone else will take your place. Uh, 
And I think it's starting to be a little bit more competitive, a little bit more, uh, uh, how can I explain, a little bit like they push you to, to win. Um, but I think it's very, very, in, it's in the DNA, it's like cultural thing. Um, but I, I, I still the same player, I'm very competitive. I hate to lose, I'll do anything to win or to save a goal. Uh, so it did affect me. I'm trying to affect them. <laughs> um, you were playing at Cincinnati, who are now uh, an MLS club. How exciting was it to be around that sort of move for the club? Uh, it was a good play. It was a good uh, club. I, c- I could see the club grow. After that season, they actually offered me a coaching job, uh, not to be part of the coaching staff on the first team. But I think it was a little bit too early for me to hang the boots, to, to finish to play. I'm not ready to go yet. I still have the passion. I'm still getting excited from the sound of the, the shoes, from, from the boots, the smell of the grass. I, I, I live for that moment, you know. Uh, so it was a little bit too early for me. I still talk to the club. I think the club is on the right way. Now I'm playing for Sacramento Republic. Uh, it's in the second division. Uh, but also Sacramento Republic are going to be in the MLS in the next in the two years. So right. it's also something very weird for me that the club actually bought the rights to play in the MLS and didn't achieve it on the field. You know what I mean? Like it's not like if you pe- finish first, you get in promotion. It's not working like that. And again, it's the lack of competitive because you have no re- no relegation, no no promotion, no relegation. Something that. I'm not used to, and I would never used to. Uh, but the club is a good club. It would be in the MLS. Uh, again, I don't know what's going to happen with me. They offered me also a coaching job in the academy. But I'm not ready to go yet. So we'll be, uh, I'll have to make a decision soon. You were saying there about the lack of promotion and relegation. Does that sort of make it? Does that take an edge off sort of when you've lost a game, you're used to playing with really high stakes. If, if you lose and you finish bottom of the league, you're getting relegated and there's financial penalties with that. Your wages are getting cut. There's issues within the club. Sort of yeah, with this now, you've finished crazy. bottom. Sorry, go on. Sorry, I didn't hear the last part. You finished bottom and it's sort of now in, in the, um, is it uh, the Nasal League, is it? No, it's a, it's a USL. Maybe. USL, okay, sorry, it's... USL. Nazel's like 96, isn't it? <laughs> um, USL, yeah, sorry. Um, with that lack of consequence, do you find, is that sort of a challenge to sort of get across those players? Like like you said, the lack of competitive there, if they're finishing bottom and there's no real punishment for that, oh, we'll just go again next year. Does that not drive you a bit insane? It is. It is. I'm not going to lie to you. It's crazy because I see, I used to play, like you're going to play against teams that in the, in the relegation zone on day plays, you have to actually bleed to win, to give everything from you because they they fight for their lives. Yeah. But here it's not the same. Like here, they let the young guys play and get experience, but the young guys doesn't know if they don't know if like they they just know it's nothing's gonna change if they're gonna finish the last or uh, two from the bottom, second from the bottom. It's it's not gonna change their future because they're gonna stay on the team and play on the same league. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy for me, but it is what it is. I'm not going to change it. 
it didn't affect me. For me, every game I, I play like it, it is my last game. You never know. Uh, but I think it has to change. It has to change. Hopefully it will. Because um, it's not all about the money. It's not all about the money. I mean, clubs pay a lot of money and go to play in the MLS. Uh, I understand this is the modern world, but there's so much more than that for me in, in sport, on football, in, in every competitive uh, sport. I mean, you can, you can get so much more from the players if, if you get the motivate them, not, not just from the money. And for me, the feeling of the win, the feeling of clean shit, you cannot buy this feeling. Brilliant. So um, last question, really. You sort of said um, you've been offered a sort of coaching role with uh, Sacramento Republic. But what is next for you? Obviously, you say you want to carry on playing, but in a couple of years, um, are you looking to go into that coaching role or is it venture, are you looking to leave football altogether? What's, what's next for you? I cannot see myself... Uh retiring this is the thing football is my my, my love uh, but i know the day is not far so yeah i'm doing uh, i'm taking a coaching course right now so obviously i am um, hopefully i will finish my uh, license soon it will be uefb uh, i'm quite sure i'll stay in the business i'm not sure if I'll, i want to coach first team or in the academy or to be i don't know scout or but i'll definitely stay in the business I want to be part of a team. I want to be every morning on, on the grass, not, not on the office. I want to be to take part of the session, to feel the players, to talk to the players, to be as close as I can to the, to the game. Uh, so, yeah, I see myself stay on the business. Brilliant. Well, if you're ever around Newport, I've got a football team that will show you, will give you a game. <laughs> I'll take your word. Okay, I'll remember this one. <laughs> yeah cool thanks for joining us mate it's been absolutely brilliant and great to catch up and good luck with everything going forward so much I really enjoyed it guys thank you they may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty but they like to talk about Cardiff City it's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny and not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny and